Well, hey everybody. Good morning to everybody here. Welcome to Res City. Uh, my name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and a uh, special welcome to you if you're visiting. I know we do have some visitors here that are hanging out with us. So thank you so much for, for joining us this Sunday morning as we uh, come and we, we come together to worship God and spend some time um, being exor- exhorted from uh, the book of Ephesians, which is where we've been spending uh, the last uh, few months together uh, in this book that's been written by the Apostle Paul. And kind of just to let you know kind of where we've come from and, and where we're at today, um, Paul has written uh, in kind of the first half of the book about how uh, God has like broken in on, uh, on the world, acting in love, and he's made us alive uh, when we were dead. He's constituted us into this uh, new and unified people um, and has made the church this, this trophy that he's showing to the world to show his glory and his grace off um, and now in the second half of the book, he's really diving into like what does it look like for us to, to live that out, to live lives worthy of the calling that we've received is how he kind of starts that section of the book off. Um, and so uh, we've been spending some time uh, talking about that uh, for the last few weeks, and we will be here for just a couple more weeks until uh, we transition to our next sermon series. And so... Um, Right now, though, within that kind of second half of the book, we're in um, a smaller section where Paul specifically dives into um, the household of Christians and what that is supposed to look like um, it, to follow Christ. What does it look like within the household? And, and the household in, in um, uh, the first century uh, functioned a little bit differently than it does he, here. Uh, Douglas Campbell says that the household was a chief basis, it was a paradigm and a reference point for religious and moral as well as social, political, and economic organization interaction and theology. So basically to sum up what he's saying there, the house is like the center of society. Everything kind of runs through it and all of your meaningful uh, societal relationships are mostly mediated through the household. That's kind of how uh, it worked and different households would interact with different households and, and so that's super important. And, and your spouses and your children are wrapped up in your business in, in a way that they really aren't always for us, right? We, we're, we're a lot more compartmentalized as society. You have home life and you have... Um, you have work life, and you have your spiritual life, and you have whatever, your, your health and your fitness life, right? We can kind of box all those up. They weren't boxed up in, in Paul's uh, day and age, and, and I, I think he didn't expect it for it to look like that either. There's a much more of an intermingling. And so last week we talked about marriages, and this week, um, and I swear we didn't plan this. We, we realized a couple weeks ago that this is how it worked out, but we are actually talking about parents and children on Mother's Day, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm, I, I wish I could take credit for thinking of that beforehand, but I, I can't. That's God's providence. So, um, so on Mother's Day, we will be talking about parents and children, which I, I'm pretty excited to, to get to do today. Um, so um, now I realize like most of the kids are not in the room right now, and Paul has a pretty extended section for how your children are supposed to act towards parents. And so maybe you're like, well, we'll, we'll skip that part, right? Um, but I do actually want to talk about us as uh, children of our parents, even into adulthood, because, um, you know, in, in Paul's day, um, you know, William Barclay is a scholar, he says, in the empire of Paul's day, the power of a Roman father extended over a, children's, a child's life so long as the father lived so that a Roman son never really came of age. And that's certainly not true for us today, right? Like, we can, w- once we move out of the house, I know it's, it's possible to have like little or to no contact with your parents. But um, for good or bad, we never stop being our parents' children, right? We still have some of a relationship with our parents. Um, or if we don't, like that, 
impacts us too. And so it's important to talk about who we are as children of our parents still. Um, for some of us, that's an easy topic, right? I, I know for some people, you remain best friends with your parents um, into adulthood and, and, and you have a very close relationship with them. You live near them, you see them often. Uh, for some people, maybe you, you still talk to them, you don't see them as often because you don't live in the same city or something, um, but you still have a good relationship with your parents. I realize for some of us here, maybe you have actually a very poor relationship with your parents and, and you don't talk to them very much and you don't very much care to. <laughs> uh, I realize that is true too. Um, I, I get that for, for all of you in those different places or maybe you're somewhere in between one of those three. Um, I, get, I get that maybe uh, talking about your parents is, a, is an exciting thing or maybe it's a tough thing. And, and so I hope that what, uh, what we have today kind of speaks to you wherever you're at. Um, and before we kind of enter into the topic of how we relate to our, our human parents, I think it's important for us to kind of set the stage right for the fact that um, we all have like a, a parent, a greater parent, uh, in heaven. And, and Paul has talked about this, you know, indirectly earlier in the book of Ephesians. He talks how there is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And so uh, for, for Paul to identify God as Father is for him to identify uh, him as our, as our parent, um, as a far uh, greater parent, even than the, the best parents alive, the best human parents alive, um, are just signposts pointing towards like the great father that we have who who loves us completely who who cares for us tenderly who gives of himself for us on a regular basis who 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 wants to see us grow and to, to grow more and more into uh, what he has for us um, we have this 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 great parent, like, and so as we talk about our human parents, again, for good or for ill, it maybe, you know, maybe you need to hear that like there is a father who loves you because uh, your your earthly parents have not loved you well. Like I want you to hear that, like we have a great or great father um, who who loves us and cares for us, and who becomes for us a, a picture of what uh, we as parents um, should be living out in our lives, and so. Um, Let's, let's jump into it. Um, Paul starts out uh, the passage ad- ad- directly addressing children. Um, and he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and you may enjoy long life on the earth. So he starts out by saying obey. Now, remember, the, the Greco-Roman world that Paul is writing to is different. Um, like I said before, you don't necessarily gain legal dependence of your own until your father dies, which could mean you're, you're pretty old yourself by the time you kind of have some legal independence. Um, and, and, and so for Paul, um, he's talking, you know, to children obviously here, right? But he's also talking to sometimes adults might be hearing this and, 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 and they might still be in this position where like they're legally bound to their family and are obligated uh, to, to have some relationship with their, with their parents. And he's saying, I want you to still obey your parents uh, in the Lord. Now, we are in a different situation, right? By the time we, we turn 18, we have no legal obligation to our families. And, and to talk about like us obeying our parents, even as adults, can, can feel kind of weird sometimes. Um, and so, like, and also it, it can be kind of a weird thing to think about obeying our parents. Like, uh, what does that look like as adults, especially if it conflicts in some way, right? Sometimes obeying our parents is maybe going to conflict on something else. And, and, and so, um, the obvious thought, like, for us to say that obeying your parents is the only way to like truly follow Jesus here. That's just not true, right? Um, uh, Jesus, you know, we can go back to even Jesus talks about how following him is going to lead you to have conflict with your family at times. Like he, he specifically says that in a few different places. Um, and so uh, obeying God 
is obviously more important than just obeying your parents, even into adulthood or something. And, um, and, and it doesn't necessarily contradict that. So what I really want to hone in here um, is this idea of honoring our, our parents, right? That, that's what he says specifically, and he's actually quoting uh, Deuteronomy 5 here, where, where uh, Moses is kind of restating the Ten Commandments. This is one of the, the Ten Commandments. He, kind of, he quotes it here. Um, this is from Deuteronomy 5, uh, verse 16, okay? And he says, I want you to honor your father and mother. And he says that this is the first commandment with a promise. We'll talk about that in a sec. But before we do, I just want to highlight the fact that, like, we're not, we're not very good at, like, honoring authority in this society. Like, we, we just, we, we don't really, uh, like, have a high value on honoring authority. If anything, as a culture, we kind of have, like, as a cultural value, disrespecting or not honoring authority. If you think about it, right? Think about, like, our country was founded because we looked at some authority and we said, screw you guys, we're, we're, we're better off without you, right? And that's how, like, America was formed. And so, like, so much of, like, who we are as a nation is kind of celebrating uh, dissidents, right? Like, the cowboys, right? Cowboys are these people who are all kind of out and they're not always following the law, and, but they were just idolized and, like, around the world we were known for cowboys, like, for a long time. I think we still are in some places, right? Or think about, like, some of our bigger heroes now, uh, superheroes, right? Superheroes are, by definition, people who operate outside the law, right? And in fact, some of them, like Batman, who is one of the most famous superheroes, like, he goes out and he breaks people's legs for information and tries to, like, not get caught by the cops. And we just think he's the coolest guy ever, right? Because he's out there and he's breaking the law in order to do a good thing. We think, yeah, you know, sometimes you got to get your hands dirty and break the law in order to get stuff done, right? Right? And we, we, look, at, we look at Batman and we think that, right? Um, we, we, like, we celebrate uh, dissidents, like, who spoke truth to power. Like, some of our, some of our big, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing either. Just don't, don't hear me saying that. I'm just kind of pointing out the reality. Like, some of the people in history we celebrate are people who stood up to authority, right? Like, the suffragettes or Martin Luther King Jr. These are people that we've, we venerate in our society because they, they stood up to authority, right? I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just kind of pointing out the fact that, like, we value standing up to and kind of disrespecting authority in a certain way, right? To the point where I think that can be, you know, can kind of, like, kind of work into, like, us as, um, as, as children a lot of times. I mean, if you ever watch, like, a kid's movie that has the kids, like, that's centered on some kids and has some parents in it, a lot of times the parents are kind of depicted as idiots. Have you ever noticed that? Right? Like, and, and they need to learn a lesson from their kids a lot of times, right? I'm sure a lot of like, actual parents are like, yeah, I know about that. And <laughs> so, like, but, but it's true, right? This is all kind of true for us. Um, and so I think what can happen is as we become adults, we start to routinely think of ourselves as like smarter than our parents, right? And, and kind of like not necessarily needing to respect them and their experience or their wisdom or anything like that because we think we know better. And that just, just kind of trickles down to us. Um, and, and I think millennials in particular have this view that like our parents' generation has really screwed things up for us. Right? And like, so it, it's kind of on us to fix it ourselves and we don't necessarily need that generation. And Listen, I'm not even here to say that whether or not that that's true or not. I'm sure a lot of kids are actually like have gone to more schooling than their parents, right? So maybe you actually are smarter than your parents. Have. Maybe you have that view towards your parents and you think I'm a lot smarter than them. And I'm not even here to tell you that you're wrong, even though you probably aren't as smart as you think you are. But um, like, if that's all true, right? Like that's not an excuse to disrespect our parents, right? It's not an excuse to disrespect those who are above us, right? Um, 
even if we do have superior knowledge to our parents, like the right way to use that the, to use that is to honor, to bring honor and respect to those uh, who are in authority above us or who are, who are older than us, right? That's the correct way to use that. And I think what Paul is calling us, he's saying that like the real thing that matters here is honor. That's the name of the game. And he says that there's a promise that comes along with that, right? He says this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life in the earth, now, I don't think we should read this as like a, like a cause and effect sort of like thing, like God's a vending machine and if we, you know, put the honor coin into it, right, of our parents and we're going to get out, you know, the grape soda or something like that, right? We shouldn't think about it like this, like a cause and effect and I can kind of like even uh, get blessings for myself by being nice to my parents or something. That's not what Paul is saying here, I don't think. I think what he's saying, and, and this kind of goes back to uh, a sermon we did a couple weeks ago about putting on the new self and like uh, building up this new creation virtue and character within ourselves. If we're people who who live out the virtue of honor and respect towards others, particularly our parents, um, then generally that means like we will live a better life. I think that's just kind of like a, a, the way that the world works, right? When we're, we're people who live out honor towards our parents out of obedience to our King Jesus, um, when we act like Christ in self-sacrifice and humility and honor towards, towards others, um, then things will generally go better for us. We'll be humble. We won't perch ourselves up on this lofty place and say like, I'm amazing and everything should work out perfect f- perfectly for me. When things don't, then I get all upset about it, right? We're, we're humble people. Um, honestly, people who are willing to honor other people are the type of people that other people want to be around, right? Like if, if you're kind of so arrogant that you're going around and to the point where you disrespect, you know, everyone in authority over you, including your parents, like people just, well, people just don't probably want to spend time around you. Um, so we'll, ha- we'll be in a position to have the favor of others. We won't constantly be fighting and in conflict with others. And, and, and overall, I think, like, respect and honor is a really good thing for a society. Um, like, a society that can't even respect its parents or the generation above it is probably not a society that's going to last for very long, right? Um, and Paul is saying that the church can't be a society like that. The church can't be a place where we disrespect those who've gone before us. It has to be a place where we honor them, even if we lovingly disagree with them on different things, right? Like it needs to be a place where honor is the name of the game and unity is the name of the game, right? Only if we have those virtues and values in us are we going to last, okay? So that's what he says uh, to children. Now he moves on to parents here. Um, he says, uh, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, um, you know, we can read that as, as, as parents right there. Like, he's specifically speaking to fathers because they're the one that have all the legal authority. That's, that's not true anymore, right? So, so let's just assume he's talking just to parents here. Um, but a couple things I want to note here as we kind of move into the section on parents, right? So just a, just a couple things to kind of, like, take stock of. Um, so for Paul to take, t- this is the first one, for Paul to take time to single out in, in this, you know, relatively short, short letter, right? It's not a very long, I know we're spending, like, you know, a lot of time in this letter, but you can read it in like 10 minutes, right? It's not a very long letter, right? For him to take time out of, out of that letter where he's dealing with a lot of really important stuff and talk specifically about the parent-child relationship means that this is a really important thing uh, for, this, for us as Christians, right? If, if we are uh, in that position where we've been blessed to have, have children, 
um, then what we should take out of this is that this is a hugely important way for you to follow Christ, for you to live out uh, this calling that is uh, worthy of the, living life worthy of the calling we've received. This is a really important way to do that, if that's the way that God has blessed you. Um, I, I think that sometimes there's like, there's a pressure, especially in our society, on like stay-at-home parents or um, on p- people who are parents and like just they're not able to do the things that they were able to do before they had kids. Um, there's this pressure sometimes to not be that way or that like there's maybe that's a lesser like vocation even. And, and like for Paul to single this out and say this is really important, you know, we should take stock of that and say this is like a really important thing, right? We can't lose the importance of that even if, even if we're... Um, feel like as a parent you're missing out or you're not as fulfilled as you used to be because now you're, you're taking care of these kids, all right? Paul says this is really, really important. And, and on Mother's Day, like, you know, hear me say this, we need, you know, and Paul is saying this, we need amazing godly parents, mothers, right? We need them or else this Christian society, the city that Paul is talking about having built up, it can't work without that, right? For him to include this in here is for him to say that, all right? So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to note is that it is one of many things that Paul says too, okay? I know that there's also an impulse towards, I've heard this talked about snowplow parenting. Have you guys heard of this thing, right? It, it's like an it's like a unhealthy focus on your children and trying to like make sure your children are like the perfect little like obedient kids who do who do everything you say and, and look so perfect and, and everyone acknowledges they're most, the most amazing kids, right? For Paul to say, you know, this among other things is for him to also say, like, there are more, like, there are other things that are just as important as, as building up children, right? And so don't forget those things as parents. I know that, like, um, it can sometimes feel like, uh, like, caring for your kids is, like, all that's going on. And I, I want to say, like, Paul is calling us to say, you know, you can do that well and follow Jesus in all these other ways too, right? So just, just kind of keep that in mind. All right, you can highlight both of those two points I made together and make them strongly as well, I think. So, all right, so let's move on. I want to give you a little bit of more of the context here of what's going on. So, the reason that Paul, like I said, he addresses fathers, we're going to just talk about parents, but the reason that he does is because he says uh, there's this thing called the pater familias. This is Latin for the father of the family. Um, and the father had this complete uh, control over, over his family legally. This is William Barclay again. He says, a Roman father had absolute power over his family. He could sell them as slaves. He could make them work in his fields, even in chains. He could take the law into his own hands and punish as he liked. He could even inflict the death penalty on his child. And Kyle Snodgrass is another scholar who says, the power of fathers was almost unlimited in the Greco-Roman world. They determined whether a newborn baby had the right to live or die, and many baby girls in particular were abandoned to die. Fathers could and did sell their children, especially girls, uh, into slavery. Okay? So this is the context. And Paul is calling in this passage the parents that he's addressing to exercise that authority in a very specific way, right? Not in the way that the culture would have dictated, but in a very specific uh, Christ-centered way. Um, and that's the call uh, for Christian parents, right? Parent like God. Parent like the Father that we have in heaven in that way, all right? John Stott says, the overarching theme of Ephesians is that through Christ's reconciling work, there's now one uh, multinational, multicultural family of God. So human fathers are to care for their families as God the Father cares for his. Right? So that's the place that we start as parents. Okay? Before we even kind of jump into Paul's specific command here, um, 
we start by looking at the picture of God, our, you know, our, our loving parent, and, and, and trying to model that as parents. That's the, that's the ultimate goal here. Okay, just like a society uh, can't stand um, if you honor parents, then a society of the church can't stand if the youngest of us aren't cared for. And so that's like the, the main calling of parents, right? To make sure that the youngest of us in our society, because like the children are a part of this church. I think that's something we, we need to remember, right? They're in another room right now, so maybe we tend to think they're not necessarily a part of the church in the same way we are. That's not true. They are a part of this church. And so it matters that the youngest among us are cared for. And that's the primary call of the parents. They're the ones who are, are doing that, okay? So, then Paul actually gets into it. He says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So notice the contrast here. He says, do not exasperate. And exasperate, the, the Greek word here is perogiza, um, which means provoke to anger. So he's specifically saying, don't provoke your children to anger. Okay? Instead, so in contrast to that, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, um, why... Uh, why the contrast here? Like, what, what's, what does provoking your children to anger and then the contrast of, like, training them up in a certain way, what's that contrast? How are those two similar? I think the reason is because, like, provoking your child to anger, especially on a consistent basis, is a kind of training in and of itself, right? It's not, it's maybe you don't see it as a training, but you are going to train your child in a certain way if you are constantly provoking them to anger. I think that's what Paul's saying. Um, I don't think I'm... I don't think I'm like saying anything new to you when I say that um, like research shows that uh, like a home life is really important for a child's development and kids who come from really hostile places tend to turn out hostile themselves, right? That's just how it works. Paul is saying, I don't want the, I don't want the home life of the children here to look like that. Instead, I want um, it to be a place where they are brought up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Um, now, Paul doesn't elaborate what that means, but I think it's, I think it's pretty clear, right? Um, model to them uh, what, what it looks like to, to love them well, and they will, in turn, you know, tend to do that themselves. Bring them up in the specific training of, of the Lord, the specific training of the gospel. Train them to live in this certain way. Um, and I know, like, that... So I, I don't feel like I need to make this point that strongly because I know all the parents here, and I see you doing that incredibly well in all the different places that you do it. So I actually just want to commend you on that. Like, I am so proud of all the parents here at Res City. Um, I keep doing it. That's actually the only encouragement I have for you. And actually, I want to say one other thing on this too. Notice that the command of parents is not like, make sure you have the most perfect kids in the world. And like, and like this is what they should look like. And, and you know, they, they, should, they should be super well behaved and all these different things. He doesn't say that. I know that there is this, this I've, heard about, I've heard about this because I'm not a mother, but Julie's kind of talked about how on Instagram there's like this like uh, culture of like showing off your kids and like there's this pressure on moms in particular at times to like be making sure their kids look like the most perfect kids ever, right? There's this kind of just culture of that. Notice that Paul doesn't call you to that, right? That's not the standard that he's setting. So if that's a pressure you feel uh, as a parent, and particularly as a mother, notice Paul's not putting that wage or that burden on you here, right? He's saying, no, what, the main thing that's important is just don't provoke your children anger. Instead, trust that they will come up in the Lord, right? But he's not 
he's not putting out some sort of end goal for them necessarily. He's just saying, this is a very simple thing for you. And that's all you need to do, right, to follow Jesus, okay? You don't have to have the most perfectly looking kids who march in step and, and you know, never cry in a public setting or anything like that. That's not what he's saying here. So just, just I want to point that out for you, okay? If that's some pressure you feel, I want you to take that pressure off you. All right? So as we head into our application, I just have two application points. Um, one for, ch- one for children, which is for most of us in the room, and then, um, actually all of us, none of us could not have been children at one point, but, um, <laughs> and then for parents, all right? So we'll start with children. So find ways to honor your parents, even when it's tough, all right? Whatever that looks like, whether that means giving them a call, and not just on Mother's Day, like, right, celebrate your moms, celebrate your moms every day, not just on Mother's Day, all right? Um, find ways to honor your parents by giving them a call, you know, Listen, I'm not telling you to obey your parents, but don't be afraid to ask them their opinion on stuff, right? Don't be afraid to, like, let them weigh on, in on things that you're thinking about and trust that they have some experience or wisdom to offer. Um, be humble in your attitude towards, to, towards them and try to understand them, right? Try to understand um, seeing the best in them. Try to understand, like, who they are and, and maybe, like, in places where you're like, I really struggle with my parent you know, one way you can honor them is to try to maybe at least understand, like, what were the circumstances that led to them failing you in some ways as a parent. Um, and if possible, right, I realize this isn't always possible, but if possible, take steps t- towards reconciliation. Not if it's going to harm you in some way, um, but, and this isn't a guilt trip, right, t- to get in touch with your parents if, if you have a bad relationship with them or something, but, um, like, if possible, like, Work for reconciliation, work for honor in whatever way that that's possible for you, even if it's in small ways. Like, I think that's the thing that Paul is calling us towards, all right? Like I said, I want to reiterate this point. When we are people who are humble and who honor our parents as much as we can, we are people who are living lives uh, worthy of the calling that we've received, the calling uh, to that, that Christ has given us in the gospel, which is kind of the whole point of the book of Ephesians, right? That's one way that we do that is by honoring our parents, all right? Second point of application here, um, and I want to hone in a little bit on, on something here. Exasperated parents, I think a lot of times, lead to exasperated children. So um, building patience as parents that doesn't boil over in anger towards our, I realize that's like a lot of times what provoking anger looks like for parents. Is It's not like a, a desire to harm your kid. It's that like I like am really upset with my kid and I'm going to let, that's going to boil over in some anger towards them. It's going to continue to provoke them in anger, right? The call I think here is to try to build patience that doesn't boil over in anger towards your children. And it, it means that both parents are taking on the burden of, of, uh, of both caring for the child um, as much as you can to try to help the other spouse out. Um, it, it means taking care of yourselves too. It means like trying to take when you can take a day to just go off and like rejuvenate yourself, like if, if at all possible, like take that time off to do that. Take care of yourself as parents so that you can take care of your children. That means working together as spouses. Um, and so I realize like maybe some of you are sitting here and you're hearing me say that and you're like, wait a sec, Joel, you're not a parent. <laughs> and, and, and you're like, it sounds really easy for you to say when you don't have a child and you're like, yeah, I get exasperated with my kid all the time. <laughs> uh, in fact, there are a lot of days where I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> um, I realize that that's true, and, and I don't want to, s- you know, I'm aware that some seasons are tougher than others, right? I'm aware that, like, there are days where it's just not possible. Like, you are exasperated, and you need to, like, um, there, there, you, you can't just not 
you know, be exasperated in that moment, right? I realize that that's true and I can't totally empathize with you, okay? Um, I know that some seasons are tough and you're just going to be at your breaking point and you're just trying to like keep your head above water, okay? I get that. And while I can't totally empathize with you, I can say that you're not alone in that. Um, because Jesus himself had these uh, seasons of intense, emotionally crushing weight on his soul, right? And particularly that, that, that season is, is on the cross. And so I'm exhorting you to like take the opportunity uh, to uh, respond to that hardship, respond to that exasperation yourself in the way that Christ himself did, right? Because that was not an exasperation that led to boiling over of anger in him. It was an exasperation that led to him uh, growing, and we grow like Christ as we respond to it. In 1 Peter 2, uh, 21 and 23, Peter talks about this. He tells us how to live as Christ does. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore his sins, bore our sins, in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. When we respond to hardship as Christ did, okay, no matter what, it doesn't have to be parenting. Maybe it's responding towards your parent, right, who's hurt you in many ways. When we respond to that hardship as Christ did, we become more like him, right? And that's the ultimate goal of salvation, right? For us to be saved and to be made more and more like Christ, right? To live, to live that out, and, and so, like, when we have those opportunities to respond to hardship like Christ did, we have an opportunity to grow more like him. And so, that's my exhortation to both parents and maybe some of you children alike. Um, respond like Christ did to hardship. Now, I realize as much as I say that, we're all going to fail at that, right? Parents, you will provoke your kids to anger. Like, I just, I know you will, <laughs> right? And, and, and children, you will fail to honor your parents, right? We, we all have, um, but take comfort in the fact that when that happens, it's by his wounds that we're healed. Um, there is healing for exasperated parents and for exasperated children, right? And, and there is healing from the one who judges us justly, even if some pa- of our parents haven't in the past, right? Even if our children like, are completely unfair to us, God judges us justly. So let's turn to him, whether we're parents or children or both. Um, every, every Sunday, uh, we end with, with taking communion, where we specifically take time uh, to remember uh, what Christ has done for us on the cross, right? To, talk ab- to, to, to point ourselves in the direction of remembering his suffering and his hardship, uh, which he did not respond uh, in anger to uh, for us, right? And so, what I want to do is, is extend an invitation up for you. As, as the worship team comes and plays a couple more songs, um, respond in worship, respond in thankfulness, um, and respond in, in a desire to be more like Christ um, as you come and take communion today. We don't, we don't, we just ask that you're a follower of Christ. We, you don't have to be a member here at Res City or a regular attender. Um, so please uh, join us on stage for that as we enter this time of worship. Father, uh, we thank you that, that you have given up your son for us, that you have, have made it so, um, whether we are exasperated children or exasperated parents, um, we have hope of healing um, in your son, that our, by your wounds we are healed, God. I pray that uh, for those of us who need that comfort today, that you would, you would cause us to, to, to reach out and to, to seek that comfort and to be comforted today. Um, 
And I pray that uh, for, the, for those of us who don't, Lord, that we could celebrate your grace in our lives um, as, we, as we spend time with our parents today, our mothers, and celebrating them. God, we, we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.